Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Well, hello and welcome to this, the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. And today, once again, I'm doing one of these interviews for International Women's Day, where I'm asking strong, inspirational, empowered women to come on and share their career journey with us. And today we're very, very lucky. We've got a very special lady with a fantastic story that I think will resonate with an awful lot of us. Today, I'm speaking to Charmaine Barber. Charmaine, welcome. Pearl, it's so, so lovely to be here talking to you. Thank you very, very much. This was a pure coincidence because what happened was I just happened to be looking at a post in a group and then I thought, oh, I think <laughs> I'll just answer this post. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So that's brilliant. It is, this is what I'm finding. It's almost... Mm-hmm. That one post on social media is what has started, what has become a massive project, and it's just growing and growing. And because I started this, the whole idea from a Facebook post, I'm going to go to your Facebook profile and I'm going to use that as the introduction because it, and it is a fantastic introduction. I'm getting so many ideas from all these brilliant profiles <laughs> that people have written. Now, for Charmaine Barber, she's a coach artist and writer and the profile says coach artist and writer helping people master confidence in their life and if you go to Charmaine's profile there will be a bitly link that will probably take them to further information is that correct absolutely it should take me to my Facebook group which is the art for art's sake mastering confidence group I must say though as a disclaimer I am still tweaking and working on this so nothing's perfect we're all human (laughs) I must admit I think we're all like that I think everything because it's online and it's digital and we can change it everything gets changed quite often because you might find that your group the ideas with the group the people involved with the group might pivot and change therefore the the title the information that's shared and everything tends to change as well so with that I think we all echo exactly the same oh phew she said wiping her brow (laughs) (laughs) I have to for your listeners because obviously they can't see us Oh yes, I know where you're coming from with the uh, with the group definitely because I started off the group. If that's all right, if, if yeah. I can talk about it for a moment, I started off with the with it in mind that uh, in actual fact I'd started a group before that, and what had happened was that group I found was too heavy because I come from a, a childhood of emotional trauma, which not everybody knows about. My mum was an alcoholic. Um, what happened was I thought I'd really like to um, to help people because. 
um, there was a stage in my life back in 2016 where I'd been in the UK and I'd been working and I'd come back, I'd got burnouts, adrenal fatigue, etc., and I had to deal with all my emotional baggage. So what happened was I joined a course online because you know how you, you go Googling for help and you want instant help? Yeah. You've never ever been there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us have been there at some point or another in our lives. Anyway, so I went online, I found this course, bought this course, and it was really helping me and I was in this Facebook group and I was giving a heck of a lot of value because I was going through my personal emotional journey on it and um, as I went through my journey it resonated with a heck of a lot of people in there and they started listening to me because I could tell they were listening in as much as they were they were commenting on my posts and I was coming back to them and we were getting into really interesting deep conversations and even to this day I've still got sort of half a dozen people that are following me from that group yeah and um, so so what came out of that was I thought oh yes I'll, I'll start a Facebook group and I'll I'll make it for living life freely for for people who've, who've been emotionally traumatized well I started that group and I, I know lots of people have started groups and abandoned them so I know I'm not the only one and I you know I'm quite happy to say that really so I started the group with the full intention of helping people who who'd um who'd had a traumatized childhood and who had gone through similar things to myself. And uh, it was so heavy. It was like, whoa, I feel like I've got this big, thick blanket on my head. What am I doing here? I'm just going to make myself depressed again because I have had low-level depression most of my life until recently. And I thought it's not something that I really want to do to myself. So I just archived it, I'm afraid. I feel very bad about it and a little bit guilty. But on the other hand, you have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to who you are. And at that moment in time, it just didn't feel right for me, really. So, um, yes, I got to thinking again because I like leading groups, it seems. (laughs) So I opened another group, only this time it was the Art for Art's Sake Mastering Confidence Community. And I got off on the wrong footing there as well, didn't I? <laughs> because what, <laughs> what happened, as, as it does, you, you were talking about that exactly the same thing a minute ago, was what happened was I set the group up in mind with thinking, oh, yeah, we'll do some art with a splash of confidence. And it didn't feel right. It wasn't working for me. So I'd got, I'd invited all these people into this group. I've got about 80, 80 people or so in there. I'd invited all these people in, into this group and there a lot of them have got a creative side and art and stuff. And uh, I thought, hmm, this, and I, I, I kind of wrestled with this for months really. And um, so what happened is that, that came, what came out of it was I went totally in the other direction and I forgot. <laughs> I focused on the confidence only and I, and I actually joined a course creation group and I, I've got I've actually got a guide in there for confidence and it's with a little splash of art in there and I keep thinking eh, it still doesn't feel right <laughs> so I'm still tweaking people I'm still tweaking but I'm getting there so I think what will happen is I'm probably going to take I'm not 100% certain yet because I've been thinking about this for the last few weeks I'm probably going to take the art out of it and 
just keep it to the confidence in there because I think the confidence for me, I'm an, I am an artist. I'm not a selling artist, but I've been an artist since I was three years old uh, on and off. And actually arts helped me a lot through some bad times in my life. Um, but I think that by taking the art out of it, I can just totally concentrate on the confidence, on assertiveness, on communication and stuff like that, because I think that's that's very important for me. And, and it's about connection with people as well. Yeah, That's very, very important. Look how we connected, Pearl. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing, isn't it? And and not, not just you and I, but there were so many other ladies in that in that group that connected with you as well and I've connected with some of them and it's got this wonderful ripple effect and I just love life at the moment because when I think about the amount of connections that I've made in the last couple of years it's just such a fantastic feeling because there's so many collaborations that are growing out of these connections now I know I'm not talking about my career but I think I'm talking more about collaboration and I apologize for that but I'm quite passionate about it as I'm sure you can tell from my voice and the way I'm sort of coming across with it but I think for me that collaboration and and team effort is such a positive thing and so many good things can come out of it for example in my, um, I did my certification for coaching back in January. So it's not very long ago that I actually did it. But although I have been coaching for a long time on a voluntary basis the last two years. But um, what came out of that was as peer-to-peer student coaches, we had to get together constantly. So, of course, we got to know each other really, really well. And what's come out of one of those sessions for me is that four of us have got together and we're starting to work on on, a, on a, an African project, which I think is just totally amazing. Yeah. So we're looking at, um, at putting together courses for young ladies between 15 and 39 in, well, some of it's to do with Swaziland because that's one of the ladies who we got together with. That was how it started, really. She's in, she's in Swaziland and she's um, got this centre that we're going to be bringing people into because it's about lifelong learning and it's about teaching people to fish for themselves rather than having the western world give them the money because when that happens and I spoke to somebody who lives in Africa who's got a lot to do with them because she's got her own company when uh when people when the western world gives money to the other countries that supposedly need it well not supposedly that's the wrong word but that need it they have this um this idea that they're entitled to it some of them and so when when people have got this um this idea of being entitled then it no longer serves the purpose that it should be serving at the end of the day and i think the better way to do it is the way we're starting to do it which is let's give people those tools Let's go out there and let's get them. And I don't like using the word empowerment. It's, sometimes it's a bit woo-woo for me. But I want, I want, what I want to say with that is just let's let's get people helping themselves yes. at the end of the day. People helping themselves because when they when they're taught how to help themselves, when they've got those tools, when they've got those resources, when they've got that knowledge, they're able to do far bigger things yeah. than we could ever envisage. And the, and the thought of that is like wow you know it's like I can feel this fire in my head going and like 
this is just such an amazing thing. Yeah. Let's get people out there doing things for themselves. And like you said, this is what causes the ripple effect as well. Mm. Other people will listen to this and think, yes, either they want to be part of the project you're working on or they can think of similar projects and almost use That's that right. template yeah. that you're working with yes. and copy it and move it over. And it it does it is far better to actually show give people the tools so that they yeah. can build things and do things themselves. Because like you say, if all they have is money coming to them, mm. they become entitled they feel entitled to it. And they don't work for it. I mean, I, yes. I can I can use the example. Both of my children are grown up, mm. both in their 20s. My daughter is brilliant with money, no problem whatsoever. Mm. My son, because I've always earned well, I would always send him money every week. As soon as the money hit my bank, I would give him a certain percentage. And then because I contract, I have had a few lulls when there hasn't been a contract there. And my son has suffered and he's given me no end of grief. Mum, 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 because it gets to the stage. My son contacts me and it will be, Mum, I know you love, you know, I love you. Followed by, Mum, <laughs> can I have some money? Yes. And he kind of takes it away because, yes, we, of course, we love our children and we want to help them. But when it's almost expected, it doesn't feel as good, does it? <laughs> No, it doesn't feel as good. That's quite right. Yes. Yes. I think sometimes, and this has happened to my son, sometimes we have to do things that are hard. And as painful as it is for them, it's actually the best thing for them. Unfortunately, he got kicked out of where I was living once. But and I, that was painful. It wasn't me that kicked him out. Mm. I must say it was my partner at the time. But since then, I think he's kind of quite thankful for it mm. because they they learn to stand on their own two feet then. Yeah. They learn that mm, life's not as easy always as you do think it can be mm. when you've got the bank of mum and dad rolling you. Yeah, yeah. And it is, But sometimes, like you say, that's a lesson that both we and our mm. children need to learn and learn it in yeah. slightly different ways because mm. yet it's hard when you think, no, you can't support the, your children or you have to back away and not give as much support as you're used to. That's right. That, that can be heart-wrenching, mm. but then it makes, well, it makes them grow up and mature into the adult that they're becoming as opposed yeah. to always be see that relationship as they are the child, therefore the parent will always support them. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, shall kids? Yes, definitely. Now, now <laughs> you've shared certain things. From that is a brilliant start because it's really, I know people will have connected with what you've been sharing and actually say, yes, that's something they could implement. Could you give us some idea of maybe key points in your career or maybe the reason that you pivoted if you did pivot at certain times that has sent you in certain directions so that those listening could be anywhere on their career, just starting it out or they could because of COVID and lockdown mm, be looking sure. to pivot and hopefully we can give them some ideas. So could you share with us maybe key points? Hmm. 
given that my work life started quite a long time ago, <laughs> um, back in, when was it, the late 70s, as a young woman of around 19 or so, I think for me personally, and I don't know, obviously the, the world has changed, mm. so I can't guarantee this, <laughs> but <laughs> whenever I, I went through a lot of different jobs because I was trying things out um, kind of for fun, really, to see who I was and whether or not it suited me or not. So I didn't always stay in jobs um, for very long. I mean, I, I remember I remember doing a night shift at a, a, a plastic bag factory of all places for two months. I stuck it out. Mm. It was absolutely hateful. But I I, I learned from that that it it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change your mind and think, oh, well, actually, I don't really like this type of work. It's okay to go out there and and get experience doing different jobs because it enriches our lives. It makes us much stronger as well. And we get different perspectives of life, which I think is really important. So for me, uh, over the years, right, especially at the beginning, life was a bit of an adventure, really. Um, And I wasn't afraid of it. I just embraced it and did it because I could. Uh, When you, as you get older, you get, we get more responsibilities and we start to think, hmm, okay, I need to be responsible here. I can't just chuck my job in and go somewhere else or whatever. It's not quite that simple. So for me, I would say I was kind of lucky in as much as the last 20 years I've done, which hasn't been coaching, the last 20 years I kind of fell into it and it was a bit like a business proposal over coffee. Yeah. So um, that was that was interesting because I was actually at the time um, working for my ex-husband and I was at a show, saw a completely different product and fell totally in love with it beautiful product called Polish Pottery and that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years so so for me there was no that that was a big pivot obviously because I was actually selling um food before that and there's like food and pottery don't go together and I didn't really like the job anyway so I was quite happy to leave it so yeah that was another pivot in my life really and um I've stuck I've stuck with it. It's like, wow, I must really like this job. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not not just stuck with it, but I've grown with it yeah. because I've learned I mean, it, back in 2008, 2009, there was an economic crisis and I think lots of people suffered then as well, a little bit like with COVID, but perhaps differently, perhaps not. And back then you've got I I will say one thing and that is you have got to be flexible yeah you have to be flexible it doesn't matter what person what sort of person you think you are just be flexible because by being flexible you can embrace any opportunities that come your way with regard to career uh, which happened to us which for example was it wasn't something I'd thought of but you know, when you're brainstorming, you sit down at the table and you think, okay, we've got an economic crisis here. What are we going to do? 
got to put food on the table, got to pay the bills. Ah, what assets have we got that we can use to our advantage? Well, actually, we've got a big white van parked outside. Hmm, let's brainstorm and see what we can do with that. And, of course, things come up. And what came up? Hmm, partial flat moves and career driving, (laughs) believe it or not. So I ended up driving for six years, career, as well as doing the pottery. And it was a completely different world. It was as if I sort of walked out the front door in the morning into this this world of motorways and mad van drivers and and Germans, because I live in Germany, not that everybody knows that, um, of all these people honking their way through, through the day. Um, and me having to get to the airport on time and make sure I picked up those pallets or I picked up those textile rolls or I picked up those big boxes I had to have loaded into the back of the van. And I got them to the place they had to be on time. And then coming back out of that, I had to then swap hats. So I had to take off my courier driving hat um, and, and become a, a thoughtful salesperson a person who can do office work, a person who can process orders, a person who can pack boxes and go to shows and set up at shows and exhibit and stuff like that. It was like, you know, a far cry from doing the other job. So, yeah, flexibility is key, not just to career, but in anything we do in life, I believe. Yeah. It has to be because one thing that people don't always realise is really especially when you're younger, is that life is unpredictable. Life is not necessarily stable. I mean, it used to be used to be stable in as much as people would stay in a job for 50 years or however long, and they get their pension and that would be it. These days, it's what, especially with the internet, it's completely different, completely and utterly different. It's a case of be flexible. Yeah. Completely. Because you don't know what's going to happen the next day. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, you've mentioned 2008, 2009. I can remember that quite vividly. Mm. I have always worked for myself, always been self-employed. I've got contract work or I've done temping work. And when I set up my first company, yes, it started great. But mm. I did it whilst I was doing my degree as a mature student. So I, the only money I had coming in was my grant from university. So I thought, no, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But I thought, no, I'm going to have to go back to work. I'll do temping because that's what my mum had always done. So mm. they said, right, Pearl's run her own company. Pearl will make a good PA. Pearl did not really make a good PA. Oh, because Pearl, Pearl wanted to be the director in the boardroom, because that's what I was used to being. And when you say you do what you need to, I was a single parent at the time. 2008 is when Lehman Brothers went down and started the recession. And I saw my day rate half. Still wanted the same work, but all it takes is one or two people on that, that treadmill, as it were, that can't pay their bills. So they will take a drop simply yeah. because any money is better than no money and it then impacts everyone yeah. that is in that business. And I went from doing the PA work and I ended up in the factory. It was mm. <laughs> where where I am in the Midlands, there's loads and loads of factories. It's all massive where it's all industrial. So mm. I was sent in 
for DHL working with Vodafone and I was their admin person. And I think I was the only woman in the place. And all these people kept saying, I'm, I'm quite short and I wear size three shoes. Try finding safety boots that are a size three. And all they kept saying, hasn't she got tiny feet? Hasn't she got tiny feet? And I'm thinking, well, I have a brain and there's so much to do. But yes, it's when you think you've gone from running your own company <laughs> to writing a label to be put yeah. on a box that's going out to be delivered for a mobile phone. And all people think about is that you've got tiny feet. It's amazing how your life changes. <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> but we do what we have to, like you say. You, we do. We do. And it all adds, it all adds to it. I, I used to have the, the senior people arguing because they'd all want to talk to me to see what would I advise. And then I'd have one person say, she's in my department, leave her alone, go away. <laughs> <laughs> territorial <laughs> oh bless you <laughs> but it, it's just it's just sharing sometimes you might find especially where things are so different now with covid we might find that the whole work-life balance will change when so when we go back to what used to be normal, if we can actually remember what used to be normal. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I know you're saying about normal, but I don't think that it, that it will necessarily go back to a, a normal the way it was before because it's changed. It's the, the world has tilted on its axis basically, and when when you have such a big change like COVID, um, that that really is going to affect everything because of course there. I mean, it's affected the the company that we represent in Poland because if you can imagine it started off in china and a lot of companies uh including them had big contracts in china which of course went down the pan yeah. because they they weren't taking their orders up were they they were they were cancelling their orders left right and center so of course that has a knock-on effect obviously and not only that covid had the knock-on effect and of for everyone i'm sure or many people um of uh, for for this particular company have they had to get rid of half of their staff the half of the artists because of the the rules with the um keeping space between each person so if you can imagine there's you know you've got a hall with with lots of tables in there with people sitting at the tables with their potter's wheels there and their sponges because it's all hand decorated and they're sitting there decorating these pieces and now there's only half of them in there because they've got to have that that distance between them. So, of course, what's going to happen? Production is going to fall. There's only going to be half produced, half the amount produced compared to what was produced before. And it, that ripple effect you were talking about, that ripple effect takes time to come through, um, and you know, until it reaches the point where, where we, for example, uh, um, uh, are getting the consequences of it. Yeah. So instead of two pallets <clears throat> excuse me instead of uh, sorry instead of uh, getting five pallets it would be two and, yeah. and then that's got that knock-on effect because a lot of people for us personally a lot of people they they were sat at home doing nothing yeah and they and, and when people when people are um sorry i'm thinking in german sometimes i, I apologize for this i'm thinking in german i'm trying to find the german the english <laughs> word for it but when people are um, not feeling particularly um, secure because of something like COVID, for example, what happens is they they go into 
sort of a shutdown, not shutdown mode, but they go into a mode where they shut themselves in the home because they were obviously they were in their homes that make you know you were made to go into your home anyway because of lockdown. But they were, they were there and they were thinking, hmm, I don't like the situation. Well, this is what I, I believe anyway. I don't like the situation. I'm not happy with the situation, but at least I can influence my surroundings. Now, how can I influence my surroundings? Well, actually, I can make them prettier. And so what they were doing was they were going online and they were ordering like absolute crazy. And it's been like that for the last year. And that's what happened. Mm. They just ordered and ordered and ordered because they wanted to, they wanted that, they were buying not pottery, but a feeling of security. Yeah. They were buying that feeling of security. It's a bit of an illusion, really, when you think about it. But on the other hand, you know, we were lucky. We profited it from, from it. So it, it was it was a nice nice time for us. But, um, yeah, there's all these knock-on effects that people don't realise that are happening and these ripple effects. And it's just eventually it gets to us. Again, just be flexible in your careers. Is all I can say, because if it's affected your career or if you've lost your job, just think about think about the skills that you've got. Yeah. Think about also because a lot of people have gone online as well. Think about what you can take online. Yes, it's a completely different world for a lot of people who've been working offline. Mm -hmm. But if you can think what you can take online and make a course for something, for example. Yeah. Or or. Um, let's say let's say for example you're a plumber out of work just it's just you know just popped into my head as a plumber okay let's say you're a plumber out of work what you could do is make a little course about how to do something for you know for your own plumbing at home obviously most of the time we need to have a certified plumber to do those jobs and things but small jobs I'm sure it's possible to do yeah. and as, a, as an unemployed plumber at that moment in time at least you can start making you money selling a little book about, I don't know, how to put a washer on a tap or something simple that a lot of people actually don't know these days yeah. because we've become so disconnected from a lot of trades and things because we've moved more towards the technical side of things and computers yeah. and going online and doing stuff online. Where there's a lot of us out there now who don't know how to do these everyday jobs. And so a plumber can take those skills, put them online and help us. I know there's lots of YouTube videos and things like that, but it's actually nice to be able to find somebody who's perhaps local in your area. Say, oh, yeah, he was my plumber. He's out of, out of a job. My goodness. But, oh, look, he's got these courses online. And I actually need to know how to change a washer in my kitchen tap. That's perfect. I think I'll buy that course from him. Yeah. And he's got a, he'll have a sustainable business eventually. I mean, it takes time. That's one thing people have to remember as well is business does not happen overnight. Right. It does not happen from one conversation. It does not happen from one, right, I'm registered now. Where are the where are all my clients? That does yeah. not happen. What what does happen is you'll probably feel a little bit stressed. You'll probably feel a little bit overwhelmed because there's so many things to think about. And it takes around five years to actually become established in a business and there's a lot of businesses that fail before the five-year mark definitely yeah. so as for inspiring people I don't want people to think it's an easy ride it's not an easy ride being self-employed no. because <laughs> <laughs> you, you as you know I'm sure um, being self-employed is completely different 
from being an employee. There are two different mentalities. You've got an employee mentality and you've got a an employer mentality. And uh, being an employer, everything sits on your shoulders, yeah. absolutely everything. And you're wearing half a dozen hats every day. And you're swapping those hats like crazy, going, right, which hat have I got to? Oh, I've mislaid that hat. Never mind. Right, I'll put this hat on. But anyway, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas an employee, and it's funny because this came up in my um, Mastering Confidence student group. Um, this this lady, she's she's she wants to, she's partly an an employer or an entrepreneur, but she's got this employer, uh, employee mentality. Mm-hmm. And she was asking me how to how to go from an employee mentality to an employer mentality. I said, well, you just, you've got to wear all the hats and you've got to take all that responsibility on your shoulders and not expect someone else to do it. And it is that simple. It's not necessarily as simple to do it when you're first starting out though. So yeah, go on. It's transferable skills as well. Mm. I was thinking because when you've got these people say, like we're talking about plumbers, a lot of these people we've heard it's been on the news that the big names in the high street mm. are closing because obviously they haven't had the footfall. But if these people that might be losing their jobs through sales, mm. they would be phenomenal when it came to being online because they're already used to being authentic to yeah. talking to people. And this is where, so many people fall down when it comes to being online because they don't know how to speak to people. They don't know how to engage people mm. and they big themselves up when they can't, when people find out the truth, it's it's mm. like a bubble that's burst. I, I probably, I, a lot of people that are listening to these podcasts, they will hear me say over and over again, these people that can't eat a meal until they've taken a photograph of it to share they do not show you the three meals that went in the bin because they burnt and they didn't come out right. So they have got this false pretense that everyone sees online. Whereas those people that are used to dealing with customers, to speaking to them face to face, they now have to gauge a conversation. They know the words to use to actually get people to say, yes, I'm interested. Mm. And these are great skills that you can take online and you can use really well. But it, it's also being aware, like we've said so many people start I used to dream about the fact that I could work from home because it would save me no end of hours of commuting mm. but when you do it day in day out you will you get to miss the exchange that you have with a face-to-face and I know, I know zoom and teams and all the different online methods help us feel that we're not alone but it's also when you are working from home, you need to put coping mechanisms in so you know that your mental health doesn't suffer, that all you're doing is staying in one room and doing all that work and doing nothing else. That's very true, actually. And also you need to avoid numbum syndrome. <laughs> I think that's vitally important. So, yeah, so as we're regarding the numbum syndrome, if I may. It's very good to actually get up from your computer quite often and either walk around, so walk between the kitchen and, and wherever it is you're working, where your office, where you've got your office, or um, do some stretching or some jumping, skipping, whatever you can do, because I think that's so vitally important as well. Because when we sit, we scrunch our bodies up and that's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for our, for our spine. It's not, And also we don't always sit correctly. And I, I've, just as soon as I said that, I uncrossed my legs. 
<laughs> as we do. And I'm just sitting a little bit straight because obviously they can't see us, the viewers, uh, the listeners, I apologise. Uh, so I'm just sitting a little bit straight now because I was very aware that I was actually leaning to one side on the arm of my chair as I'm talking to you. So, yeah, that's that's part of the, the health and the mental health side of things as well. Um, it's also about having boundaries in place. Which means for, for me, and I, I'm not working full time from home, I'm working part time with my new coaching business. So I do spend quite a few hours in front of the computer, but I spend them also in our pottery barn. So I, I do sit a lot. But it's about boundaries. It's about if you're so if you're at home is about maybe putting a sign on the door and saying, I'm at work now, please do not disturb. Yeah. Or um, reminding friends. I don't have this problem. I'm very lucky in that respect. But reminding friends that actually, yes, I am just because I'm at home doesn't mean I'm free to chat on the phone or wherever. Yeah. I am working and these are my working hours. Yeah. Because otherwise you, you're going to you're going to have a blurring of your work times and your playtime, so to speak. And when that happens, then you, you're going to get a little bit like, well, wait a minute, am I at work? Am I where, where? What is it? So yeah, boundaries in place are just such an important thing to to have, definitely, when you're working at home. And and I think, like you say, putting those those times in that yes, you're going to be sat at the desk or sat wherever it is you're going to work from at a set time, and mm. you're going to finish at a set time. Yeah, because whenever I work with corporate clients, when I go into their office. I do stupid hours. I mean, like 18 hours a day and things mm. because I'm trying to give them the best thing. But if you're doing that at home, you have to learn when to stop. And like, okay. it's almost if you've got a work phone, you turn it off when you yeah. step away from the desk. Mm. Because how many people now we see that they're answering emails at 12 o'clock at night. I've known some directors that will send a message 11 o'clock on a Sunday evening get into the office on a Monday and expect it to have been actioned when they get there. Well, most people, they shouldn't be working at that time because that isn't what they're paid to do. And it's almost learning. You don't have to do everything. You do set the boundaries. And I think in life, in everything we do, boundaries is one of those big topics that comes up Mm. that you normally have to do a lot of work on. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I, I, um, I started to set boundaries a while back as well about my my working hours because originally it, it was both our company and then I came out of it. So I then got, got a part-time wage. So I started realising, hmm, well, actually, I am doing more hours than I should be doing. And I used to do, or we used to do 18-hour days or longer. Yeah. Um, so I thought, no, I'm just going to put a boundary in place now. So I said, hey, what are the average hours I'm meant to be working? Oh, it's about 23 hours. Great, thanks very much. So now I only go in mm. for a certain amount of time on the days that I'm there. And I go, as long as I've finished my work, that's all that matters. Yeah. And I make sure that my work's finished or or if there's there might be something small that I haven't done, but I'll just do it as soon as I get in the following following day whenever I'm there. Yeah. And that again, boundaries, always about boundaries. And that's, I see that as the difference between the self-employed and the employee. Mm. Because self-employed, because we're doing it for ourselves, we will work until a job is done. Mm. Employees will clock watch. Not all, but a lot of them will say, when it comes to a certain time, they will say, 
that's okay, it can be done tomorrow. And I think as a self-employed person, you put far more pressure on yourself mm. to get it done. I'm sure both of us, like you said, the hours, the, the long days, the times I've worked all night to get something done because I want to make sure that the client's happy and then you suffer afterwards from the lack of sleep because you never get sleep back if you lose it. No, you don't. That's right. I remember a week where I think we were still, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we must have worked about 80 hours. We hardly got any sleep and and, and we were doing the show circuit mm-hmm. and uh, we'd got packed up, gone to one of the NATO bases here in Germany and we'd got there sort of, a, I think it was sort of late afternoon. So in time to actually, after a three and a half hour drive or so, unpack the van, set the stand up, um, and make sure everything was ready. And it still wasn't finished. It was never finished because you need five. We used to need about five hours or so sometimes to, to yeah. set up the stand. But then we'd come back the next day and we'd do the three, four, five day show or whatever. That wasn't the problem. But what, the, what always used to annoy me, and it's not, you can't do anything about it really, because if you've got, you've made, you know, if you've made appointments, you know, right, I've got to be there, whatever is the having to pack up after you've been selling all day long. Yeah. And it's like, I really do not want to pack up this stand, <laughs> but I have to. And then it's about having a quick sandwich or something because you haven't got time to sit and have a proper meal. And then it's about getting in that van at 9, 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night and driving yeah. to get back to the shop, which is what we used to do, go in the shop, and load some more boxes on because we'd run out of certain things or we needed more stock, and then drive over to England overnight and then go to, say, the American Women's Club in Surrey or somewhere, set up without any sleep at all, set up, work all day, and drive back again overnight and then maybe get some sleep if you were lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely crazy hours, crazy, crazy. But if you're passionate about your business then it's the sort of thing that you do although as you get older you have less energy so of course you do have to tailor your your energy levels to what you do I think because otherwise you can't it it is very easy to burn out I must say that here it's very easy to burn out and I've 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 spoken to people who've burnt out on on Facebook in particular, because that's where I'm fairly active. I've spoken to people who've burnt out. I've spoken to people who are risking burnout for a second time, but they've realised, oh, I think I'm burning out. I need to pull back. But it's it, it's more than that. You've got to you've got to prevent yourself from burning out in the first place. The trouble is, I think we all have to do it once so we learn our lesson. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm case in point. Doing the corporate, I get four hours sleep a night if I was lucky and Mm. I was doing that for six, seven, eight years. I'd get up at half three in the morning so I could do all my bits for my company, do my exercise, do all the food and everything and take it. I'd leave the house at half five and I'd be on the six o'clock train first thing in the morning to get down to London and that was the first train of the day. And then I'd be at my desk for my client, probably between 7 and 7.30. And even though I have further to travel, I would be the first one in that office. And because they were paying a high day rate, I felt I had to give them all my time. I wouldn't leave that office until 8 or 9 at night. Then Mm. I'd be back to the train station. I'd get a 10 o'clock, maybe half 10, sometimes an 11 o'clock train, the last one of the day 
get back sometime after midnight, try and get a bit of sleep and turn around and do the same thing again. Mm. And at the time, I, I remember I used to talk to the taxi drivers and they'd be saying, how do you do it? And I'd say, oh, I fall asleep at the weekend. I had no social life. I'd literally get there. I'd sit on a Saturday. I'd wake up early because I was used to it, body clock and everything. I'd sit there and three hours later, I'd be asleep on the settee or I'd be asleep in the chair. And people say, what did you do at the weekend? I didn't do anything because I'd slept through it. Mm. And then you find you get ill. I'd start yeah. with a cough. And the cough wouldn't go. And three times I had such a bad chest infection. Twice it went to pneumonia and I ended up with weeks off of work. Mm. And being self-employed, if you don't work, you don't get paid. You don't get sick pay. You're not qualified for that or anything. And it really hits home. You can't afford to be ill if you're self-employed. And it's things like that people need to realise because there's a big difference. Yeah, definitely. You yourself that if you're employed employed you can go off sick you can have holidays mm. i went seven years without a single holiday because i was constantly working but mm. it, it impacts on your work-life balance definitely definitely i must say i can i, I have to have to uh say I, I beat you in that respect with the seven years i think it is more like um 17 years to be honest <laughs> and even and even then taking that time off hasn't really been holiday holiday it's been just sort of taking that time off for a few days or a week or something yeah. just to just to get some downtime more than anything and to recuperate and and again it's to do with getting older less energy levels yeah. but we have to we have to take that time um I, I think this is a really good conversation that we're having because people especially those who are thinking about being self-employed need to be aware of the the traps that they can fall into um but also the let's not just let's not not just focus on the the negative aspects of of, uh, having your own business because having your own business is a real joy it's a real joy because yes you you've got that responsibility but you're you can make whatever the heck decision you want to as long as it's sensible obviously for your business but you can make decisions as to how and which direction your yeah. business, which direction it can go in. And that's fantastic. I mean, it depends, obviously, whether you've got a product business or a um, or a service-based business. Because with a, with a product, you're kind of stuck with that particular product because you've got to bear in mind that with a product, you've got to, you know, re- keep reinvesting the money to get more of that product. So that you have to be a little bit careful about how you um, – how you kind of diversify. Yeah. So if you have got a pro- product if, for anybody who's listening, I would advise either stick with that product if you think it's a really good product to have or have if you want to diversify, to diversify, but do it in such a way that it still lends itself to that product. Yeah. Because I think that's important because – that's that's another story for itself, actually, because diversifying, actually selling two different products, there's a you've got to have a 50-50. Mm. If you have less of the, the the new product, people aren't necessarily going to buy it or feel drawn to it, especially if you have a really small small percentage because you're just starting out with it. Mm. So it's easy to get disillusioned. 
and for people to think, oh, that's not working, is it? What I would say to them is to to not give up and to keep going with that product, but to try and do it so it's 50-50 so that it works. Otherwise, just stay with one product. If that product works, why try to to change the wheel? Why try and reinvent the wheel? If it works, just stick with it. I mean, you saying that, that normally I'd ask at the end of the interview, but I'm going to ask now because we're covering so many wonderful things Mm. and they could be episodes on their own. Charmaine, would you come back? And be a guest again so we can cover these different topics because we could we need to give them the proper amount of time and we've only touched on certain things and they could become episodes on their own. I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. Yes, thank you, Pearl. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking me. Definitely, because I think all the ideas we're bringing up and like you say, yes, we've said about the time and how we've been poorly but I absolutely love what I do. The Mm. passion comes through in my voice. I think most people, when I've connected with everyone, I started off typing and I kept putting all these typos with the predictive text that I thought something (laughs) I'm going to do. And then I went on to voice memo for Messenger. And it's amazing that connection you can get when you use your voice Mm. because your passion and everything that comes in. And yes, I'm an English scholar. That's what my degree's in. So I'm afraid even in text, I write the word in full and I put my apostrophes and I put my commas because it's ingrained. I, I'm the, you're not the only one, though. I do it. I used, to be, I used to be renowned as the best speller in my class. I mean, I was really hot on this. Um, and, yeah, I have to do exactly the same. If I if it's not right, then mm, I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> how many arguments have been started? This is a whole other linguistic discussion, but mm. how many arguments start from a text message because people have misread it? And if you put the comma in the wrong place, you could give the completely different idea of what you really meant to say. That's right. And it's not it's not just about mis misreading it, it's about misinterpretation as in that person doesn't sound very happy with me for example and in actual fact they were in a hurry or something and they just typed whatever it was uh maybe without thinking because they've got they I don't know the baby's crying in the background or the doorbell's rung or something like that or, or uh you know the phone's rung whatever they just got it really quickly really finished and they've shot it off without another thought about it yeah into the ether as it does and and then they might if they were lucky they might have thought oh my gosh that didn't sound very good i sh- i wouldn't i can't recall it it's too late yeah. <laughs> as, as we do sometimes don't we we pre- we press that ping button and it's gone and oh my god i really want to undo that one <laughs> You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've unsent messages on Messenger yeah, <laughs> or try to try to undo emails that I've sent. It's like, oh, my God, it's too late. <laughs> I mean, on Messenger, because I'm in so many conversations, mm. the times I've hit and I've responded to one person, only I've sent the response to someone else. I've done and that. I've had to go in all apologies. And that's like we were saying, if you have time and depending on what, what your mood at the time is when you read something sometimes you imprint your mood and and that's the tone that you read in when it wasn't even meant to do that so Mm. the picking up the phone or actually sending a voice message or when it comes to the time when we can 
sort of get to meet more people, go in and share in a coffee so you can read body language. Oh, I'd love to do that. When, when did I last do that? You, when did you last share a coffee with someone? Oh, yeah. I, I do actually book in Zoom catch-ups with coffee and I always say, nice. give me time to make a cuppa. Yeah, nice. And I sit there, and, but then it gives me an excuse to buy another cup so it looks different if I meet <laughs> But it's, it's what you start to do. It's just ways to just, one, with the mental health, like we were saying, mm. and two, just to put a bit of difference into your day because, yes, yeah. once you're doing the same thing, and especially if you're working from home, and like you were saying, I set a 45-minute timer when I'm working and after 45 minutes I get up and I might go and make a drink or I'll walk around the garden or I do something. So And then at the end of the hour I'm back and I'm sat at my mm. desk. But it means it changes it a bit. Yes, there's times I'm head down and before I know it there's three hours gone by. But if I set a timer, it's a lot easier to almost break that routine so you're not doing do you, do you, do you, Are you tempted to to press the stop button and just carry on working there? Because you just said about what, carrying mm. on and doing three hours work, because I think I'd be tempted to. In fact, I don't use alarms or anything. I've got them all in my head. In fact, <laughs> you, you'll laugh at this. When I was a kid and I had to get up for school, do you know what I used to do? I used to, And people can't see this, but I'll explain. I'm writing on my forehead a time. So I used to write six o'clock on my forehead and I'd wake up at six o'clock. It's just a really easy thing to do. Talk, you've heard me talk about synchronicities. I almost mm. used to do that. I go to bed and I say, I've got to work, wake up, uh, say, 5.30, and I would tap my head five times. Oh, that's a good and idea. I to, that's what I do. And I, I'd mm. always wake up on time. I mm. always used to have the alarm there just in case, but I'd always wake up before the mm. alarm went off. I've, I've never, can I say I've never, that's a bit of a generalisation. As far as I can remember, I've never, yeah, I'm going to use a generalisation here, I've never had to use an alarm. Mm. I've always woken up, not always, but usually woken up, say, 10 minutes before the yeah. time that I need to wake up. And I've, I'm not a good sleeper anyway, generally. So I wake up pretty early. But if I know I don't have to get up, then I'll just put my head back down and usually go back to sleep. But on the whole, I, th- I, you know, I think women are pretty good at, at waking up at the time they need to wake up. And I think that's to do with our genetic disposition and the fact that we um, we have had or have kids yeah. that we've had to wake up for in the night or whenever, you know, to get them off to school and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I have just seen the time. Where is the time gone? It's flown. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It has. All day long. Bless you. I will have to bring this interview to a close. But like I said, the listeners, we've actually heard Charmaine say she will come back and be a guest again. And we covered no end of topics. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring it straight back to International Women's Day, which is what I'm doing these interviews for. Of course. And the theme for International Women's Day, and those people that don't follow it, there's always a different theme every year. And this year, it's Choose to Challenge. So Charmaine, what does Choose to Challenge mean to you, please? Choose to challenge, what does it mean? It means that I choose to challenge myself. But not only that, having talked to you earlier on about um, a collaboration that I'm starting to get involved in, I think it also means I choose to challenge the way that we look at life and the way we take it on. Yeah. Definitely. 
and that we can change our mindset because I'm a big fan of mindset. So yeah, that's that's my Tuesday challenge. Oh, and that is wonderful. And it is uh, so many people, we're all saying something slightly different, but there is a definite theme coming through mm. as well. When a lot of it, we're challenging ourselves and then we might pick something that we're really passionate about mm. and think, yeah, we are going to look to challenge that as well. So can I, can I add another yes. choose to challenge? It's, yes, definitely. I, I Because I'm about confidence and connection and communication. I choose to challenge people to challenge their confidence and that they can grow their confidence in all areas of their life. Oh, and I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> that is absolutely right. I've got goosebumps, as you said that, because I think that's something everyone should learn to do. Mm-hmm. I know the times I've done things and my stomach is churning and it mm-hmm. really scares me, but I do it. And the sense of achievement when you've come out the other side and next time you're asked to do something, it's so much easier because mm-hmm. you know you can and it's pushing yourself that little bit further. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't pushed myself continuously to strive to be better than the person I used to be. That's fantastic, Pearl. And I think when you've when you've already pushed yourself to be uncomfortable and you're successful, that just allows you to build more success. Yeah. And the more success more success you build, the more confident you feel. And so it all impacts on you and it compacts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this has been absolutely wonderful, Charmaine. It just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you and say I can't wait to when we get the chance to talk again. Thank thank you, you. Pearl. It's been an amazing one hour. I can't believe where the time's gone either. (laughs) It's fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you again about whatever you'd like to throw at me, as long as it's not maths or something like that. I can't do maths. (laughs) (laughs) Or or being an astronaut or something. I haven't been an astronaut yet. No, I don't want to be one. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Pearl, thank you so much. Thank you, you, Charmaine. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.